The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to Engaging Truth, the manifestation of God's Word in the lives of people around us. Join us each week as we explore the impact of His message of spiritual renewal, from the lesson of forgiveness forged in the crucible of divorce, to the message of salvation learned by an executioner from a condemned killer, to the gift of freedom found in the rescue of victims of human trafficking. This is God's Truth in Action. Well, hello, Engaging Truth audience. It's so good to be with you again. Pastor Jeff Doria here with another most excellent guest today as we have on our call, the Reverend Dr. David Bond, Pastor Emeritus of St. John Lutheran Church in Cypress, Texas, and now serving as a Congregation Support Specialist for Area D of the Texas District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Wow, that's a title. That's a mouthful. <laughs> <That's a mouthful. laughs> yeah, how are you doing today, sir? I'm good, thank you. I, I love my title. It sounds pretty impressive, but it really means that I just do two things. I'm a specialist, so I only do two things, and I kind of keep those things in my forefront. Ah, okay. And what are those? Are you going to tell us what those two things are? I help congreg. Yeah, I help congregations in strategic planning, uh, mission planning, and then I help congregations uh, with the call process. So those are the okay. two main things that I do. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So you represent the district, help congregations out, and make connections for them. And uh, yes. So that's great. Yeah. Well, good deal. Well, um, you were also a pastor of St. John. So how long were you a pastor of St. John? 16 years. 16 years. All right. Yeah. So, and then you were a pastor of a couple other churches before that. But So you've been in the ministry quite a while. I'm yes, not going to ask uh, how graduate- you are. I graduated in 1979, so it's uh, it's been quite okay. a while. All right. Well, fantastic. Well, thank you for your service. Well, this month, as you know, we're um, the month of October. We're interviewing folks who traveled to Germany, um, some who have uh, seen the history of the Lutheran Church firsthand. Uh, you know, some of the events of the Reformation, how that all unfolded. So, um, we're trying to talk about that. And some people will wonder. Uh, why are we going to focus on a guy named Martin Luther who lived some 500 years ago? Um, you know, but but what we have come to find out is he's made such tremendous impacts on our life, our culture. And so a lot of people don't know what his contributions are uh, to the world, to the church, and even to individuals. So I was wondering if you might want to tap into some of his significant contributions. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, in fact, if you re- remember several years ago, Time Magazine listed uh, the 500 most significant people of the last uh, millennium. And Martin Luther, I think, was number two on the list. Albert Einstein was number one, Martin Luther number two. And so they recognized, even Time Magazine did, uh, that he had a huge impact, um, obviously in the church, uh, calling the uh, Roman Catholic Church in his day to really to repent and to uh, come back to Scripture. Uh, ultimately, he was excommunicated and um, began to con- uh, to gather around himself, not not for his own sake, but people began to really re- recognize how he was um, really bringing the truth of God's word back to the people and elevating the importance of Scripture of the Bible. Uh, he translated the Bible into the German language. I've been in the room where supposedly uh, he once threw an inkwell at the uh, d- the appearance of the devil, and uh, as he was translating scripture, 
Uh, he was extremely careful about that. One of the stories I love about uh, his translation work was as he was working on the Old Testament, he would go into town and he would ask the butcher, uh, what do you call that part? What is that part called? So that he could actually uh, have the correct German word to speak about the uh, the various parts of the animal <laughs> uh, that were being tra- uh, being sacrificed. And uh, so he and so his translation of scripture is one of the major contributions that he made uh, for the German people. Uh, his hymns uh, and writings are significant. 52 volumes, if I remember correctly, of his Luther's works in the American edition of Luther's works. Many, many hymns and sermons, um, just prolific in that way. He also really um, brought to the fore the idea, and this is probably the most, uh, what he would wish to be remembered more than anything for, is the fact that Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world and through faith in him, we have eternal life. We do not have to go through a priest or to pay penance or to do anything in order to uh, receive that gift of God's grace and salvation through Jesus. And, um, you know, justification by grace through faith. He discovered that as he was uh, looking at Romans chapter 1, verse 16, where it says the just shall live by faith. And the idea that the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. In other words, the righteousness is not just some um, uh, judgmental aspect of God's character, but it's his gift to us of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And we're perfectly just uh, in God's sight for the sake of Jesus. So those are some of the things that he uh, had a huge impact on um, for people uh, individually as well as culture and the church. Yeah, so he had he had the uh, he unpacked the gospel message for the people who were uh, really struggling with a lot of law still, and uh, and certainly the translation into the German language, writing, changing the Bible, uh, translating the Bible into the German language wasn't just like, well, let's just now have one in German, but but the fact that it was no longer in Latin and it was in a language of the common people, and that just set a wildfire for other translations into common languages for people so it really did yeah so the fact that we can go to the store and get our own bible in our language we speak we can give uh credit and thanks for him in that work mm-hmm. well that's great well luther was a monk uh for a while in the roman catholic church before he was excommunicated and um and that is a fascinating story his upbringing and what got him there um and he struggled with understanding god was uh very wrathful filled, you know, against sin. And so like that, you know, where's the mercy? Where's this loving God kind of thing? And uh, so mm-hmm. I was just wondering, um, so was Luther, you know, was he really overly worried about having peace and, and coming to peace with God? Or was there something else at play? Was a lot of guilt or was there anxiety, depression? I mean, what what do you think was going on in him? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question. A lot of people have sort of um, uh, theorized that, that Luther was just depressed or maybe suffered from, you know, bipolar disease or something like that, you know, and he'd get way down and then he'd get way up or what have you. Um, Luther did. He was a young man who was very conscientious. Um, and the whole pathway to becoming a monk was that he was caught in a thunderstorm and thrown to the ground. And he prayed to his patron saint. He was a good, good Catholic. And he said, St. Anne, save me, and I shall become a monk. And he was delivered. Must have been some sort of a storm. He was delivered, and he did enter the monastery. He he began his studies as a monk. 
but he found no peace there. Um, there is a, uh, a film that was brought out many years ago called Martin Luther Heretic. And it imagines some things that Luther may have done or said. One of the scenes in that movie, I think, says very well how Luther struggled with this. He's out talking to his father, Confessor, uh, Confessor Staupitz. They're under a tree, and Luther says, um, I have no peace with God. Um, and Staupitz says, why is that? And, and Luther says, well, is God just? Yes, he is just. Must he punish sin? Yes, he must punish sin. Am I a sinner? Yes, I'm a sinner. Must he punish me? Yes, I am. I must be punished. And Schaupitz says, um, you know, that's what What are you going to do about that? And Luther said, I, I don't know. He says, I must confess my sins. And and then Schaupitz says, I heard you spent six hours in the confessional the other day. This is Luther trying to find peace with God, right? He's, he's so consumed with his guilt and a desire to be freed of that. And Luther says, yes, if, if one sins, he must confess his sins. And then Schaupitz piles on. He says, six hours. He says, doesn't that strike you as greedy? <laughs> and so now <laughs> Luther has another sin to confess. And in the in the film, again, this is just an imagination of what may happen. Uh, Luther says, what shall I do? And, and Staupitz says, get more sleep, eat more food, and learn more about God. And that's when he began to study scripture. And that really led him to this incredible discovery of the gift of salvation, redemption, forgiveness, justification, uh, by grace through faith. And he said when he discovered this, especially again in Romans 1, 16 and 17, he said, I felt like I was born again and had entered into paradise itself. Uh, he was so relieved that he did not have to somehow make up for or become righteous enough or anything else. It was God's gift to him for the sake of Jesus. And um, it, he, it, just, it just opened things up for him in a totally new way. Okay. Okay, so he found, yeah, so Staupitz was very uh, influential in uh, getting him yeah. and winning him to Christ. And, of course, the scriptures uh, just opened it up for him. So, uh, Yeah, and, and I would say I don't. we don't really know whether he was, you know, bipolar or just completely overtaken with fear or depression or whatever. Uh, but we do know that all of this, this anxiety that he had, the struggle that he had, ultimately led him to God, led him to the scriptures. And then brought this wonderful, refreshing message of God's grace uh, that we enjoy today. Yeah. So, how, so how would you apply that in our day? So, you have a whether it be a pastor or maybe it's just a father who's trying to raise kids and and uh, um, be faithful to his wife and provide for his family. You know what what um, what core aspect of that message that Luther struggled with would be applicable for a guy today? Well, and part of it, I think, has to do with the fact that in many people's minds today, God is a non-issue. And, um, you know, why do I even care? Um, certainly, this would call us back to an awareness that, that we do have a God who loves us and uh, to whom we will give an account. And that there is a need for us to recognize uh, our own deficiency in our own work and our own um righteousness, our own goodness, and anything else, uh, that apart from Jesus, we do have no hope. Uh, but in him and in Jesus, by the way, thank you for that question. I think it's a wonderful question. Um, in, in Jesus Christ, we have a calling. And this is another genius of Martin Luther talking about Christian vocation. 
that, um, in fact, one of his quotes is something to the effect of a, a young maiden caring for her children, uh, if she's a, a you know a, a, a mother or taking care of other people's children, is doing um, better good work than all the priests offering the sacrifices at the altar. Um, of course, he was speaking a lot against the uh, formula, formula uh, overly formal, uh, just do the thing uh, attitude of the priests. Uh, but he was also recognizing that every single person, every single one of us has a calling to live as people who are loved by God, who are righteous in his sight, and as a father, uh, as a uh, fireman, uh, or, or as a police officer, or as a nurse, or whatever our vocation may be, uh, we honor God when we do that well. And we don't have to do religious things in order to please God. God is pleased with us for the sake of Jesus Christ. And one of the ways to think about that, I love this thought, we do our good works not toward the cross. In other words, God show, you know, let me show you how good I am. We do them away from the cross because we have been declared righteous and our works are not for God, they're for our neighbor. So a dad who's trying to raise his children is doing a good work. Um, God loves that. And uh, as we do that in faith, it's, it's, a, it's a good thing. Yeah. Well, I've heard that, that uh, the Christian, uh, like what does a Christian shoemaker, you know, what does his work look like? Does it mean he puts a cross logo on every shoe right. that he makes? And Luther's like, no, he just makes the best shoe he can, you know, and yeah, to the that's really that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, those 95 theses that he wrote and he nailed them uh, to the door of the castle church there in Wittenberg. And uh, some of that vocation stuff, you know, played in there because it was a, uh, uh, just kind of words against the the that current day thesis of indulgences and having to give money to kind of get some freedom in what I can contribute uh, helped with that freedom and grace of God. And so uh, Luther had a lot to say that uh, even vocation worked in to those 95 theses. So Indeed. that was cool. Well, let me uh, take a little commercial break, and then we'll continue on with some everyday things of Luther, like his marriage to Katie, and uh, just you know his his mouth, his language, because I hear he had a, a mouth like a sailor, a truck driver, or something, and uh, and also I know there's some controversial stuff about Jewish his his thoughts toward Jewish people and some of the things he's written. So I wanted to tap yeah. into some of those. So, but let's uh, uh, want to just tell the uh, engaging truth audience. Thanks for turning in today. Uh, we are part of the Evangelical Life Ministries. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you can smash that like button and subscribe so you don't miss any of the upcoming broadcasts. Also, please know this ministry is made possible by the generosity of people like you. So if you would like to donate, you know, we would greatly appreciate it. And we will continue to publish relevant information of God's truth and how it engages the world. You can donate online through our website at elmhouston.org, or you can send a check to ELM Post Office Box 568, Cypress, Texas 77410. Your gift is tax deductible and you will be given a receipt. And finally, through our website, you can submit questions about our broadcast today. 
And you can also submit prayer requests. We enjoy doing uh, answering questions and lifting up those prayers. So uh, let's now resume our conversation with the Reverend Dr. David Bond, the Congregation Support Specialist <laughs> of the Area D of the Texas District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. So you right. do that very well. <laughs> I, I tell you, I had to practice that before today. So, um, but yeah, I want to get into some everyday life and some controversial stuff. We've got about, you know, eight minutes to go. So, um, mm -hmm. but Martin Luther, you know, he's married, which of course was weird for a monk, right? And and I'd love yes. to know, you know, uh, I hear that his wife was some sort of nun. Is that correct? And then what does it mean that he calls her a rib? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good. Uh, I love the story about how Martin Luther... Um, first of all, realized that to keep priests from being married was not a good idea. I think you know, there are many ways in which we might um, speculate on how that's uh, so obviously true today. But in his day, he saw that that was not biblical, that a priest should be able to marry, he felt. And, uh, and also that meant that the nuns should not have to be uh, kept in their cloister. And so he, he actually helped a number of nuns escape. He, um, they escaped by hiding in um, casks that were used for either cheese or milk or something uh, at the at their um, convent, and uh, they all got out. He says, "I found wives for all of them, but Katie, and I felt sorry for her, so I married her." Uh, <laughs> and that's Luther. Um, that may not be exactly the way it was, but uh, that's what he claims. Um, she was, I think, exactly what Luther needed. She was. Uh, the one who was not just going to be demure and uh, uh, just, you know, not really engage Luther and take him on. She was a, uh, you know, a spark plug or a firecracker or whatever you want to call. Uh, one time, for example, Luther was in a bad mood. And so she went in and changed her clothes to um, uh, black clothing uh, that one would wear to a funeral. And Luther says, what are you doing? She said, well, I had to put on my mourning clothes uh, because it's so obvious God has died the way you are living. And <laughs> it was a, just a good wake-up call for Martin Luther to realize, no, God was not dead. They need to see, um, he needed to see and um, uh, recognize that God still had work for him to do. And so this would be an example of, of her kind of uh, um interaction with him and contribution to his ministry, really. The other way she uh, contributed was Luther was known for uh, his table talks, and uh, he would invite students over after class to his home. They had a large home. I've uh, been there also. It's it's really pretty remarkable. Um, and uh, they, had, uh, they had space, and he would bring students to his table for a meal, and they would talk. And he would not necessarily let Katie know in advance that he was bringing the students. I guess oh. she learned after the first or two or three times that she needed to be ready, and she would. I mean, she provided for them. I believe she also became a very good, and this is uh, Luther, you know, Luther and Lutherans, um, very adept at brewing beer. And uh, that was a, a gift that she provided for his well-being. So those would be some of the things about Katie. I, you know, what a blessing she was uh, for him. And I think uh, kind of a corrective at times to kind of help him to keep his feet on the ground and recognize, um, you know, just the reality of, of God's goodness and, and mercy and love. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that reference of rib, you know, going back to creation, Adam and right. Eve, you know, having uh, Eve being taken out, having that rib taken out of Adam. Right. So, so, yeah, just that partner in ministry, like you partner. said, that it was a that it was a a great combination there. Um, well, you know, there's some things of uh, Luther's writings, uh, things he said, and uh, uh, especially some anti-Semitic statements that get used uh, sometimes out of context, and but just, you know, little statements that people can really latch on to. And it can be a firestorm. And, uh, you know, the Jews, mm-hmm. you have Germans, we know some history uh, in our day and age of, uh, you know, back in the 40s and stuff in the World War. So we've got different issues that even had impact with Holocaust and stuff. But what are right. what are some of those uh, statements? What was the attitude of Luther at that time? And then did it change any over time? Yeah, um, I'm not sure how much it changed or didn't change. I do know that on the church in Wittenberg is a plaque that is extremely um, anti-Semitic and unflattering to Jewish people. Um, I won't go into detail there, but it's still there, visible today. And it's testimony to the fact that Luther did, in fact, have some very strong invectives against the Jewish people. Uh, They are not um, pleasing to me. Uh, I think most people would disavow them today. And I wonder about God and his view of that. But one of the things that I think is important about that is to recognize that Martin Luther was a sinner. And sometimes he showed it in obvious ways, and sometimes it would be hidden just like all of us. Whether we lose our temper and let go with a string of of, uh, blasphemy, or even taking the Lord's name in vain, or whether it's the hidden sins of thought and word, or even deeds that we keep quiet and and silent uh, from, the truth is that um, we're all sinners and need the grace of God. And and I think that Luther... um, may eventually have come to say that's, you know, overly harsh and I should not have said it. But I do know this, that um, God loves all people and wants all people to be saved. And that would include all the Jewish people. I would include all the Germans. It would include you and me and all the people who are listening today. That That's something that Luther would want you to know as well. And uh, for the sake of Jesus Christ, our sins have been forgiven and God would have us to repent and believe the good news of his love for us. So yeah, Luther had some pretty bad things to say and I'm not proud of them, but we don't need to sweep him under the carpet. Um, He was a man of his day that was somewhat common way to speak, Um, but at the same time, it it doesn't excuse them. Uh, The only excuse any of us has uh, is, is really not an excuse. It's the mercy of God and his mercy and forgiveness for for Jesus sake. we can't atone for our own sins. And Luther really lifted up the idea that we are saved by grace through faith. Faith is not alone, but it is faith alone that saves. And uh, I'm thankful for that. Yeah. And that, that emphasis of faith in Christ, Jesus being the Messiah, and that certainly was the the, the vision there for Luther and the J- Jewish people that they didn't accept Jesus. So he was, right. you know, his passion for Christ and his pa- passion for the cross and his passion for Jesus, you know, that's, that um, was, a uh, you know, well, Christ is a division for people. And uh, if you don't accept them, right. you know, so there's, there's, there's a, there are reasons for him, you know, it wasn't like he just didn't like the people and, you know, had some right. Uh, right. stereotype against them, but 
But, um, but you know, as you studied scripture, like you mentioned Romans 1 earlier, and as you work through scripture and you work through the, even the book of Romans, you start seeing how even the Gentile people are going to be used for the benefit of the, the Jewish, Jewish people. And so, you know, there's, there's some, there's some neat uh, transition there for, for people to see in God's word on how God used the Jewish people. And then he also, uh, for the sake of the Gentiles, and then uh, uses the Gentile people, the believers, for the sake of the Jewish people. So, well, you know, you mentioned a little bit about um, uh, Luther, all these great things. So I appreciate that. We are out of time. So I'm going to say a prayer with you and uh, and just ask God bless you in your ministry. So Father in heaven, Lord, we do rejoice in uh, today's topic and we pray for Reverend Dr. David Bond and how he is serving the church. Continue to bless him, strengthen him as people will come to know that wonderful message of Jesus, our Savior. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this broadcast of Engaging Truth. Be sure to join us each week at this time. To help support our ministry, contact Evangelical Life Ministries, Post Office Box 568, Cypress, Texas 77410, or visit our website at elmhouston.org, or find us on Facebook at Evangelical Life Ministries. Thank you.